Welcome back to another episode of Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. My name is Phil. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing a story where I had a learning experience that was not covered in any training I had up to that point attended. Where this comes from is that I was recently leading a training at High Five, which is a level two challenge course skills training that we call Beyond Basics. Now, at the start of this training, I do several activities to set the tone for what this training is going to be, how this is really a level up from our level one skills and how each of the individuals in that training has a lot of experience that they can contribute to the training and that's where I find that training to be so rich is that there are so many people that come to level two trainings that have a lot of experience. You often find quote unquote your people in that people who have been in the industry for a few years at the least come together and get to learn together and share their experiences. And they may be also from different areas of the industry, aero adventure parks, that could be therapeutic centers, that could be camps, etc. So it's often a really awesome training where it brings together lots of different experiences. And what I do at the very start of the training, a few activities in maybe, is bring up the opportunity to have discussion. So we do a paired activity. Normally I do this through uh, high fives like wild turkey, happy salmon, those things that are maybe familiar to people. I get people into pairs and I give them some question prompts. So the questions I often ask are what is the most impactful moment that you've had on a challenge course to date? The second question is the question we're going to focus on in this episode and that is Can you think of, or are you willing to share, moments that you had a near miss or a close call? And that could be related to you yourself getting potentially in a risky situation, a participant being there, or any other incident that you thought, oh, that kind of woke you up and had you remember that you need to be really conscientious with... Uh, checking carabiners and all those kind of checklists that you go through. So the story begins when I worked out an outdoor education center and I was relatively new to being put in a position of supervising others on a challenge course We were running the climbing tower. It had three different faces of of the tower that people could climb up. And very often, I would teach this to the facilitators that I worked with, that I wasn't a big fan of when people were coming down, once they'd climbed up, of doing the kind of a mission impossible bouncing, the two-footed bouncing in a big arc down the wall when they got lowered. And the couple of reasons that I used to share and I still do share these two reasons, is one that it's incredibly uncomfortable on the balaya. 
So as people are jumping backwards, that's putting tension on the rope and remembering the rope is attached to you. So what you end up getting is like a wedgie every single jump. It's not comfortable. And it's not something that you would want to have happen repetitively over the hours that you were maybe facilitating the climbing. Once you do it one time, you are pretty much stuck doing it for every other participant. Of course, it looks fun, right? Like there's no reason if you if you see someone doing it, you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that too. So once you do it once, you have really set yourself up. So you might think it's cool one time, but you probably don't think it's cool the 50th time. The second reason was that dynamic rope has um, some rotation in it, some spin in the rope. So what would happen sometimes is that the participant, if they didn't like actually accurately jump two foot straight back and had maybe they pushed off with their right or the left leg too hard, they would get in a spin. And so they would jump back, they would spin around, and then they can't really control what's going to happen next. They're going to fly backwards into the wall and smash their back against that wall and all of the holds that are on that wall. So that makes sense for us, right? Like there's no reason for us to want that to happen. So instead, we ask the participants to slowly walk feet after feet like you're walking backwards. You sit back like you're in a chair, you bring your feet up so the bottom soles of your feet are touching the wall, and you hold onto the rope and you walk uh, down at a leisurely pace as you lower. So the thing that I hadn't been taught and the reason that I hadn't considered was due to the helmets. Now, I know that helmets is a hot topic. My personal take, my personal and also professional take is that we talk about this in another episode being the thinking practitioner and actually making some rational decisions around where or where not you might want to consider certain things based on scenarios. So I can look at the scenario I'm going to give you, and I'm going to tell you the story, and you're going to probably listen to this and go, well, that's it. I'm not wearing helmets in again again, on when we're doing a climbing tower or a climbing wall. But there are also benefits to wearing helmets in different scenarios, especially when you're dealing with a challenge course where there's a lot of metal in the air where people aren't really paying attention and they could hit their forehead or their temples against staples or other gear that's in the air. So those are there are benefits as well. And I think you have to look at it at a case by case. I'm going to teach you a way that will ensure that this scenario doesn't happen to you. And therefore, helmets doesn't have to be a consequential issue. So the participant who in question that this happened to was a younger student. So it was a fifth grade class and this particular participant was on the smaller end. And as you're probably aware, when you tighten a helmet on a participant's head, there is the internal straps that when you tighten, um, contact the circumference of the head. And then you're left with the plastic exterior shell that doesn't obviously get closer to the head. So in doing that, what you end up forming is a gap between the pieces internally that are contacting the head and that exterior outer shell of the helmet. Now, what had happened in this specific scenario is that participant then climbed up and they began to do the bouncing back that I have already said I don't think is a great idea. They had spun round and then they'd smacked their back into the wall. Now, the person who was lowering them at the time 
continue to lower them whilst trying to instruct them to spin around. So their now back is getting dragged against the wall as they're getting lowered down. That's not great as a start point. But what happened is some of the climbing holds, there are lots of different types of climbing holds. There are crimps, there are jugs, there are pinchers, slopers, all of these different kind of climbing holds. Now, the specific one that is a concern in this instance is any kind of jug or maybe bucket hold where there is a large lip. There's a large opening that's maybe a jutting from the wall now, as the participant slides down, one of those holds gets wedged perfectly in the space between the outer shell of the helmet and the inner part of the helmet. Now, the belayer, the lower person who's lowering them, did not know this, did not see this happening, was con- continuing to lower. And then what happens is the chin strap of the helmet begins to push upwards because that hold now is now holding the helmet in place and the participant is continuing to try to get lowered. There's now slack forming in the rope because all of the weight of that person is now being held by the helmet and that chin strap under their chin is choking that participant. Now, fortunately, I was in the vicinity and I heard and I started to witness this. So I was able to run over uh, a bunch of other participants and myself pull down on the belayer's end of the rope to alleviate that tension, lift the participant up because it was a smaller child, so it was easy enough to do, and then we were able to lower. What lessons can we take from that? Well, the main lesson that I profess to the people I teach is another confirming point about why we don't want to have people do that bou- bouncing backwards. Because that just adds another wrinkle in the issue of what happens when they spin and smack against the wall. The argument could be, well, the helmet is the issue and therefore we must eliminate the helmet from that program. I disagree. I think that the helmet, yes, absolutely, the helmet was a contributing factor. But the main issue was the way that they came down. Yes, you could eliminate the helmet and prevent that, but what it doesn't prevent is still the person taking that spin back and smacking against the wall on their back. Then what would your argument be there? We must remove the holds or we must remove their back, right? Like those things are going to occur if you allow that bouncing to also occur. So two main areas. One is vigilance of the balaya. If you ever see someone spinning and and bouncing backwards, then just hold them in position. You don't have to continue to lower them. Wait until they reset themselves into an appropriate position and then come down. I've, I've also seen where sometimes people get, have an issue trying to explain the procedure for coming down. So you'll see this participant facing forwards, but just getting dragged down the wall because, they get, because the belay is getting frustrated that the, the climber can't put their feet up. Just focus on the language you use. Have them sit back in the harness so they're fully waiting, hands on the rope. Extend their legs, straighten their legs so the bottoms of their feet. You might demo this before even they climb so they have an opportunity to practice this before you have them up in the air. Going through those steps early on can help you out when it comes to the participant then having to be lowered. For me, that's a lesson that I experienced, a situation I experienced, so now that I can add that to my training. And there's... There's where I think the benefits of sharing these stories are.
this was not something that I got taught in a training. And I can tell you that as a trainer who has trained for many years, this isn't something that is written down as a thing to teach. The benefit of us anecdotally telling these stories and having these experiences is that we get to learn from each other. So the hope is that this gives you a an idea of what could happen. And that way you can bring this up to your group that you're working with or, or you're teaching, your facilitators, your fellow facilitators. And it can be another reason why you might want to try to avoid it. I travel around and see a lot of different sites and a lot of trainings and the bouncing back on the wall thing is common. Lots of people do it. So this could be a way that we get to spread this information to say these are the reasons why we shouldn't maybe do that. And it's not just because we don't like the discomfort on us when the person bounces back. So this is a story I wanted to share. Hope you find this helpful. I'm going to be doing more of these. I'm going to be sharing more stories. I have a lot of them, as anyone who's been to my trainings can attest. I'll also be inviting other members of the High Five team to also share their stories, things that have happened to them, things they've seen both on the positive side and also the potential near-miss side that we can learn from as practitioners on challenge courses. I also invite you who are listening to this, if you have a story or something that's happened to you that you would be willing to share, let me know over email podcast at highfiveadventure.org or you can go onto Instagram at vertical playpen. Direct message me there. I will respond to those as well. If you have a story you'd be willing to uh, record, then let me know through that direct message and then we'll set up a time where we can have a conversation and we can talk about your story. You get to share it and we get to reflect on it. I think this is probably a good series that we're going to start here of telling challenge course stories and I hope that people find value in them and we get to continue this community of continuous learning in our industry. So thank you for listening. Follow us all on the socials at Vertical Playpen. I say all of the socials. Really, um, it's Instagram. Go on to Instagram. If you're on your phone, maybe you can do this at the same time. If you're holding a phone in your hand and listening to this, just press the home button, go to Instagram, type in Vertical Playpen. The first thing that pops up will be us. We've got a logo. You see the logo and the little orange lines underneath. Press follow and tell other people to follow. You'll also see loads of different information I've been sharing either about some content in the podcast episodes or some external information that is just easier to show visually than it would be to talk about it. So instead of our usual end, how about we end with some music?
Thanks all. Let's work together in this industry to make it a safer place for our participants. Stay safe, everyone, and stay connected.